Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shewart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It's more than likely you've never used the word wheelwright. You may have never even heard of it. A wheelwright is a person who makes wheels for horse-drawn wagons. Horse-drawn wagons used to be such a major part of life that when the automobile was first produced, before it was called a car, it was called a horseless carriage. In 1870, if you were a wheelwright, you could have thought you had a careerful life. In 1970, if you owned a record label or were a book publisher, you would have never imagined that your enviable lifestyle was going to go the way of the wheelwright. Even at the dawn of this century, few in the recorded music or book publishing business predicted the advent of e-books, the digital music file, the demise of the bookstore or record store, the boom in streaming music, and the widespread acceptance of stealing music. So what do you do if you're a wheelwright and suddenly there are no wagons? Or if you own a record label or book publishing house, how do you survive a massive change? That's what we're talking about today with Scott Campbell, founder of the publishing house River Road Press, and Dan Storper, founder and CEO of the record label Putumayo World Music. Dan started the Putumayo label in 1993 to record and sell world music. The label has enjoyed tremendous worldwide success. It has sold over 30 million CDs in over 2,000 sales outlets around the U.S. and many more around the world. Dan, you're a legend in the music business. It's a pleasure to meet you. Welcome Out to Lunch. Great to be here, thanks. For nearly a decade, Scott Campbell was the regional head of sales for the largest publisher in the South, Pelican Publishing Company. In 2014, Scott launched his own publishing house, River Road Press. River Road publishes a range of books from the 75th anniversary edition of the Louisiana classic Gumbo Yaya yeah to a new book by cowboy mouth drummer Fred LeBlanc. Scott, welcome Out to Lunch. It's my pleasure. Now, Dan, you created a niche market selling world music, and you were one of the pioneers of marketing CDs outside of traditional record stores. Has having a niche market and a broad range of outlets saved you from being savaged by the changes in music buying habits? Well, and the short answer is to a great extent, yes. Um, 80% of our business has been to what we call the non-traditional market. You know, gift stores, bookstores, health food stores, places like that, kids stores. And that really was the basis for, you know, under which I, I started Putumayo. Um, I had had a chain of rec uh, kind of clothing and handicraft stores, started playing the music, everyone seemed to flip out over it. Decided to launch a CD or two with a friend of mine who owned a record label and the two of us basically had no idea what was going to happen, but immediately the response was great. This was in 1993, and then they sold to the record stores. We kind of charted the path where I was already selling handicrafts and clothing to, which were boutiques around the country. And it's through that process, you know, both the time that I spent traveling in the country and around the world that we set up offices and really kind of did both. We sold to the traditional world to the extent that it still exists, and it has been a challenge for sure. 
and the non-traditional world in an effort to kind of go where people are, be a matchmaker. We call it, um, when I go out visiting stores, we call it store busting. But the idea is to pick <laughs> locations where the music fits, where there's kind of impulse purchase opportunities, and it all kind of comes together. And thematically, we do a lot of music that works. Louisiana music for Louisiana, Latin music for South Florida, and Latin America. So there's you know a lot of places, and for people who really don't know the music, the idea is it's an opportunity to kind of be kind of an introducer and it serve as an introduction to great music that people wouldn't normally hear. Now, where do you find the music? Are you like that mystery shopper that goes to nightclubs late at night? Or? Well, you know, now that I have an 11-year-old kid and I've been settling down <laughs> here in New Orleans for the last 10 years, I don't do as much traveling. The internet obviously provides a lot of outlets. I have a guy who actually has been working with, with me for probably 20 years now. His name is Jacob, and he has what I used to joke as the, the best job at Putumayo because he spent 99% of his time traveling around finding music. I do that also, and um, not quite as much. And I, I don't stay out as late as I used to. <laughs> it's um, a late but night really, um, you know, I've traveled all over the world. I've been to about 50 countries looking for music and um, clothing and handicrafts. And here in Louisiana, you know, there's, it's such a fountain of great music that I've included a lot of artists from the local area on jazz and blues collections that I've done. Now, Scott, you were in publishing for a long time before getting out of the corporate world and launching your own publishing business. In this troubled climate for authors and booksellers, what did you see in the publishing world that gave you the, the confidence that you could successfully go out and compete against you know, conglomerates? Well, I think that um, the secret to being successful in, in music or publishing is I publish for local and regional audiences. I don't try to do a national book. I publish an Alabama book for Alabama or a Texas book for a region of Texas or a New Orleans book for New Orleans folks. What does the, what is the <clears throat> business uh, mechanics look like when you're publishing for a relatively small market? Do you have to, I guess, keep your costs down? Uh, Certainly low overhead is important. Um, you know, you have to know the audience. You have to um, be able to know who's going to buy the book. Um, I'm a full-service publisher, so I shoulder all the expenses. So authors come to me. They don't, they don't spend well, any that's money. That's where I was going to uh, start with, Scott. You, you have to put out a fair amount of money on the front end um, in, in a way that would seem uh, kind of like gambling. I mean, a, a little bit scary. You, you certainly do take risks, but... Um, you do your best, and uh, you try. You know, I rely a lot on, um, you know, my distributors and my customers and the people I work with. You know, we, you know, we collaborate a lot on, you know, the possibilities of titles, and and the authors are super important. If an author is highly motivated and excited, and they come to me with a marketing plan and a, you know, business plan for the book. It certainly makes a difference for me. It shows that they're going to be a hard worker. We, that's right where I was going, Scott. What does a marketing plan look like for a regional uh, audience like this? Well, for, um, for New Orleans as an example, there would be, of course, um, the signing opportunities, which would be, you know, Garden District, Octavia, Maple Street, you know, the Blue Cypress, the Independents. And then, um, of course, the chains, there's Barnes and Noble, number of Barnes and Noble locations around. And then there's non-traditional venues that can also, um, you know, you can, you can utilize. There is, um, 
you know, flirty girl, there's dirty coast, there's places that sell the books and, and carry a number of books. Wouldn't that, be you considered know, bookstores, but they correct. sell books. All right. Certainly. Uh, in the French Quarter, of course, you know, Aunt Sally's, the 1850s house, um, historic New Orleans collection, places like that as well. Do you have to, in order to make it, do you have to get that book in Barnes & Nobles, or is it maybe not? It depends on the title, I think. If it's a title that is directed more towards the tourist, then it's not as essential. But um, certainly, you know, you want to have a title that appeals both to locals and tourists. So, And, and Dan, it, i got to ask important. you on your marketing side, I mean, what, where do you go? I mean, I, first of all, most of us, I guess, are familiar with you because you're, you're right there at Whole Food I, as, I'm, as I'm checking out. First, first of all, how did that get going? Wow. Well, you know, it's really a bit like matchmaking. You know, we've gone out there many times looking for the proper accounts that, or the appropriate accounts that would, you know, both carry the music and not just have it sit there, but sell it. And obviously Whole Foods, among a number of other retailers that sell Putumayo, they have an audience of what might be called cultural creatives, which is a term that's been used a lot about people who travel and are educated and have the disposable income to spend $15 for a CD. And so, and a lot of our CDs have recipes in them. And a lot of people don't fully understand that Putumayo's music uh, packages really combine music, culture, and travel. And is, I, it's I from a that. lot of Grateful, Grateful Dead albums. There were no recipes. In there. <laughs> I'm sure better. if Jerry was alive today, yes. he <laughs> might have come up with a really good recipe uh, book or something like that. But no, I mean, we haven't done a cookbook, but we have about 25 albums that include recipes. So there, there is a tie-in. One of the stories I like to tell was, you know, we had approached Starbucks many years ago. People think we're sold in Starbucks, but we're not. And we met with their head of marketing and their top people, and they wanted to do an album. We had an idea for an album called Music from the Coffee Lands. And they wanted to do it, and I thought about it in some of their terms, and I was challenged by it. said, you know, I'm going to make 50 cents an album if I work through them. If we, if we sell it ourselves, we'll sell, open up a lot of cafes and other kind of gift stores, retail environments that, that deal with food. We ended up selling 400,000 copies and we made more like $4 a CD and it became an entree to a lot of other retailers. And it's through that process where you kind of play that matchmaker role, just like we were talking, you know, he was talking sure. about, you know, we sell in the French Quarter to a lot of the same places that they sell their books and tourists buy the CDs, New Orleans, Zydeco, Cajun, yeah. some of those jazz. But, um, you know, it's not certainly an easy world. And so I was dragged reluctantly, kicking and screaming, into the <laughs> digital age and started releasing digital collections about four years ago, five years ago. There was a Funny Times article about I was probably the last label to get into the digital world. And people joke that hopefully, uh, you know, if there are labels down the road that are physical, Putumayo may be the last one around. But um, we do a mix of physical and uh, digital, but we also sell other cultural products, coloring books. We started a couple of actually greeting cards with music oh. lines. When I was thinking of marketing on your side versus Scott, is that, you know, usually we have one artist and we just push that artist out. Uh, but, you know, when you have a compilation, is that a different kind of marketing? or It's very different. I mean, you're really, in a way, selling, um, you know, the, the theme as much as anything else and the trust that people have. We have a, a slogan that says, uh, guaranteed to make you feel good. And that's what we stand behind. If someone doesn't love a Putumayo album, they can return it to us and we'll refund their money. 
a lot of people don't really know much about world music or even blues or jazz, so we want them to feel confident to be able to buy it. And it's that guarantee that's helped us both open new accounts and uh, sell the CDs to others. And you mentioned that guarantee. That's sort of how the publishing business works, right? You send a book to a bookstore, and if it doesn't sell, you buy it back? They can, they can return it. Yeah. That's an, that, that would be another risk uh, uh, going forward. That Certainly. Is, so it's almost like... A, Oh, I guess the other term you use is consignment, almost. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we hate that term. We hate that term. All right, I'll right. scratch that up. The, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to really believe in your product and, um, and stand behind it. And if you have a good product, it's not coming back. It's selling through. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. My guests are Dan Storper. He's the founder and CEO of Putumayo World Music and publisher Scott Campbell, the founder of River Road Press. Scott you know, and I have to ask you, I guess part of what you do is kind of coaching with these authors. I wrote a book on investing a year ago or so, sure. and uh, I couldn't believe the amount of give and take back and forth uh, because they wanted that product to be right. It, it, is a, it is a huge collaboration, which is really one of the most rewarding aspects of publishing, I think, is, is an opportunity to work with all the talented, you know, illustrators and authors and, if, and you know, designers, editors, people like that. And, and is it still, I'll ask you both, is it still possible to get rich uh, publishing a book or making a record? The numbers have changed dramatically. One of the things you've had to do is adjust to the new reality and expand product assortments and be a little more creative in where we sell. And one of the things we just did, you know, we still are seeing growth and, and increasing profitability from sales through certain types of channels the education market. A lot of our you know, schools and libraries use our CDs as teaching vehicles because they work for kids, typically in elementary school. Sure. Um, we, we just set up in-store play systems for the Hudson News stores at the airports because one of the challenges has always been you've got to hear the music to, right. to love it. We have listening stations there, but that wasn't necessarily as strong as putting actually overhead play, which was complicated in those That's stores. That's going to help my delays at the airport. I, I really think, well, you know, it's a, you spend time there and then you hear the music and then you see the music and, ho and it's doubled our sales just doing that, at least double. As far as, you know, for us, educationally as well, there, there is a component there. Uh, our Rio Grande Valley ABC book was adopted by RGV Reads down in Texas. All right. And um, so it was distributed to all the superintendents throughout uh -oh. the school district. And so now the schools and the libraries are all buying the book, so they have it. But Dan Scott, this is the part of the show we call your, your brother-in-law. It's um, Now picture this, you've decided to quit work for the night and watch some Netflix when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. Normally he only calls you when he wants to use your Pelicans tickets, but this time things are a little different. He's got a great business idea. Dan, I'll start with you. Your brother-in-law says you've got to record his new girlfriend. She's a singer-songwriter. She's the star of Open Mic Night every week in Slidell, and she's just been booked to open for Andrew Duhon at the House of Blues. There's a couple of other record label guys going to the House of Blues gig, but he wants you to get in there first. He wants you to come over tonight, have a couple of beers, which maybe you could pick up on the way, and he'll have her sing for you. What, what do you tell him? Have you talked to my brother-in-law recently? <laughs> this sounds too familiar. Um, no, it's funny because I do get calls from my brother-in-law saying I was in Hartford where he lives and, you know, I heard this incredible artist. I told him about you, you know. But the beauty of it is that we don't actually record artists. We actually license the music from already recorded 
albums from labels. And I look at myself much more as a curator. I'm a fan. I'm a curator who picks songs, and we research like crazy. And I have had rec songs recorded, original songs, that have actually inclu been included in films and other things. So, you know, we've actually had some successful moments recording songs, but it really isn't something I like doing. I joke that, you know, uh, recording or signing an artist is, is like getting married, you know, doing compilations like dating. You know, I have a wife. I don't need to have the extra complications of <laughs> the marriage of with artists as well. So I like the thematic <laughs> compilation approach. One song from one album or one artist, from one label or one artist. Is there, part I of just the thought of this. Is there a, like a magic to putting different artists together on a couple. Yeah, I mean, my staff wants to kill me sometimes because you know we're at you know we're at that deadline where you just have to say go, and I say oh, the sequence isn't quite right and this song isn't fitting, and I'll push the envelope. And we are one of the people on, on my tombstone will probably say better late than never. But um, <laughs> the idea is that somehow there is a way to create an album. I think that takes you on a musical journey that as we say is guaranteed to make you feel good. So part of it is the songs, part of it is the sequence. And so that's key. So you have a great song, it just doesn't fit. And I think what makes it a little bit unique uh, in a way is the effort that's put into that process of song selection and sequencing. And we can't do endless numbers of them. You know, because uh, you've well, only got how many songs on a? Well, we have a database of fifty thousand songs. There, the physical art of licensing and doing all that stuff. That process takes time. You know, we may, as we're doing more and more digital, we may end up testing a digital compilation, which we're thinking about doing for next year. But the bottom line is, it's really about the song selection, and it's you know, the people say the world of music is an ocean. You know, it's a huge ocean. No one has the time to figure out what they're going to listen to. People like Pandora, you know, have done great Pandora stuff. Pandora been good or bad for you? Pandora has actually been good for us um, because one of the things that Pandora does it allows people to kind of discover music, and then they can go deeper. And it's not the same model as Spotify and uh, Apple Music, which we don't participate in. We do digital downloads, but we don't do streaming. We don't participate in streaming that way, now, on demand, that is. Now, Scott, i got to ask you, your brother-in-law, we got to bring him in now, your brother-in-law has a big surprise. While he was in jail for that assault charge, he started writing poetry. <laughs> He's got enough for a book. He's calling it Confessions of a Hand Grenade Swallower, and it's named after the Bourbon Street drink that he says was responsible for landing him in jail. He wants you to publish his book. He's not even looking for a big advance, maybe just 500 bucks. What do you tell him? Yeah, well, that's, um, that's actually what happened last night. No, um, <laughs> I would have to tell him. I'll, I'll think about it and see if it's a good fit. What, what do you look so, at when in deciding if it's a good fit? Whether the author lives locally. If they write a book about a place, they need to live there. All right. You know, that would be one thing. Um, whether they know the subject, whether they're passionate about the subject. If you can't identify who's going to buy the book, then you shouldn't publish it. Now, and you had the same kind of role with, uh, with Pelican. I mean, you, did, you, did you ever look at a, at a book and just know this is going to be easy or this is, we're going to really struggle with this one? Certainly. I mean, you, you can tell when you see a book whether or not it's going to work. When, uh, when Fred LeBlanc from Cowboy Mouth um, approached me about this book, um, I looked at it and I looked at Fred. Everyone knows Fred. Right. He's got almost 70,000 Facebook fans and followers. He's been in music 25 years. And the book had a great concept, and it was, had a great spirit to it, but it needed a lot of work. 
but sometimes it takes a collaboration of people getting together and helping an author focus on the idea and then, you know, refining and, and polishing it till, you know, till it gets to be what it is. And, and not necessarily with Fred in this case, but I mean, there's a lot of ego involved. You've got to be very, authors maybe need to be handled with care, maybe, uh, maybe musicians as well. Of course. One of the things I kind of remember when we were signing artists many moons ago, Mary McKayla, the legendary South African artist, was nominated for a Grammy. And I kind of wished that she wasn't because she insisted on our flying her up for $8,000 first class to the Grammys. I was like, <laughs> this little label, you know, I mean, it's not so little, but it was not the kind of thing that we were used to doing and renting limousines and doing this whole nine yards. It was like twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000 just to show up. And unfortunately, she, she didn't coach run. before that. Well, no, she's a legend and she felt like, <laughs> and rightly so, she should fly first class. You know, right. it would be embarrassing not to. We're all affected by the changes in technology. For most of us, these changes are beneficial, uh, including being able to read books and listen to music on mobile devices. But if you're a producer of words and music, these technological changes challenge your livelihood. Everything you thought you know, you have to rethink. Uh, Dan and Scott, thanks for giving us a glimpse of inside the current state of the publishing and music business, and thank you for taking the time to join me today and Out to Lunch. Well, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Dan Storper. He's the founder and CEO of Putamayo World Music, and Scott Campbell, publisher and founder of River Road Press. You can find out more about Scott's words and Dan's music by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Matthew Ellefson. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music can be found wherever great jazz is streamed, sold, or stolen. And at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. And you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, uh, go ahead and treat yourself. You can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Shurt & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana.